It's the most wonderful time of the year With the kids jingle belling And everyone telling you be of good cheer It's the most wonderful time of the year It's the hap happiest season of all those holiday greetings and gay happy meetings when friends hey everyone welcome back it's jay scott it is the hook rocks the ultimate rock community podcast happy sunday thanks again for tuning in we always appreciate it don't forget to write us a review after you listen to the episode we always appreciate your feedback and the time it takes to do so and we also are part of the pantheon podcast network a great network of music related podcasts and the official podcast platform for metallica's new podcast so check that out as well as all the other pantheon podcast members and their podcasts great diverse uh selection of music related content you can find them on instagram twitter and facebook at pantheon pods and of course their website at pantheonpodcast.com and you can find the hook rocks on all three of those platforms instagram twitter and facebook just search up the hook rocks we've had some tremendous episodes lately and uh, makes it all the more important for you to set your app to automatic download we've had some great episodes we just welcomed don dockin and the conversation we had with him which was absolutely fantastic we talked the legend of buddy guy with rock journalist andrew daly we welcomed the 17 year old guitar prodigy grace bowers as well as many others don't forget to check out our episode on stoner rock the most misunderstood genre in rock music so please check that out and more. And like I said, set your app to automatic download so you get to enjoy all those episodes and all the past ones we've had as well. My next guest has returned to the Hook Rocks. It's now his, I believe, third visit. We talked to him last time about the new Alter Bridge album. And prior to that, we talked about his Frank Sinatra tribute album, which he did with the Frank Sinatra band. And now he's back with that same band, with a holiday album that he's released. And it's out, and it's ready for you to take a a listen, and it's called Christmas Classics New and Old. And we'd like to welcome Mark Tremonti. How are you doing, man? How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks again for doing this. I appreciate it. You know, the new album that you did here, uh, it's holiday season is upon us. Thanksgiving is here in a few weeks, and right after that, it's the Christmas season. And you've got uh, some music for us to listen to while we're shopping and meeting with families and enjoying the holidays. When did this uh, come about? When did this idea start for you to do this? Uh, You know, the reason I got into singing um, like Frank Sinatra getting into that was from singing Christmas songs to to begin with. So after I put out the Tremonti Sing Sinatra record, folks were like, you know, why don't you do a Christmas album? And I I was like, if I've, I'd love to do that. So I put the guys back together and we added a 23 piece string section and a percussion, a day of percussion in a choir and, you know, track 10 tracks to, uh, to put out for Christmas. And it was probably one of the most fun times I've ever had in the studio. When you put something together like this, you mentioned, you know, putting a choir and of course playing again with, you know, the remaining members of Sinatra's band. Obviously the music is important and you want to, create a a great product and and great music but it's also the fun for you doing the arrangements and having all these pieces come together 
Absolutely. I would, uh, you know, I would take each song and I would listen to every version of it across the board and try to come up with, you know, a little song does this chord change here, has this break here, has this intro and put all put all my favorite parts into each of these arrangements with, uh, um, you know, Carrie Deadman was the guy who, who did the arranging with me and, and we had a great time putting it all together. That was probably the most fun part of the project was doing the homework. Yeah, it, it's got to be amazing because there's so many Christmas songs to choose from, right? I mean, it's just there's there's never a shortage of Christmas songs that are from the classics and of course the new ones that you have. How did you come up with the selection of songs that you chose? I would make a master list of all the songs I wanted to do and then it came down to a budgeting thing, you know, to put 52 musicians in a studio was not a uh, an easy thing to do. So when I said, "Hey, let's do 14 tracks," you know, my manager and Carrie were like, "Well, that's going to cost you, you know, you know, way more than, than you want to get into. So, um, we had to limit it down to 10 tracks. So we took all of our favorites and I would just sing through them and see which arrangements started coming out the best and chose from there. So hopefully there's a, there's room for volume too. You know, you have the first Noel on this album and it brings back memories for me. My, my grandfather was a lounge piano player player back in the days of the speakeasies in chicago and he used to play for all the mobsters back in the day and he had a a baby grand in his basement whenever i would go sleep overnight at my grandparents house he would play the songs on a saturday morning or sunday morning he was a booming piano player like he hit those keys like thunder and the first song i ever learned on piano was first noel and i remember sitting next to him on the piano as he smoked his cigarette you know, old Italian mm-hmm. guy. And, uh, you know, he went through the, the keys and everything. And I learned that song. And every time I, no matter what time of year it is, summer, spring, every time I sit in front of a, of a piano, the first song I play is the first Noel. It just is always stuck right. in me for years. Well, that could be my favorite Christmas song. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. So, well, I'm glad I got that on the record. So you can <laughs> think back to your childhood. That's great. Yeah. No, it's just that music in general. I mean, all music is like a time machine, but Christmas songs and holiday songs are meant to take you back to, you know, a time when you were a kid and there were family parties and there were, you know, you remember the gifts you got for Christmas. So it's nice to have that, especially, you know, with your background in in rock music for us, rock fans to kind of have an album that, you know, we, we can listen to during the holidays. It's kind of refreshing and kind of new. It's a different take on the new songs and when I hear the music, it's just, like I said, it, it brings me back to that time. So thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah. And I think one of the main goals I had with this record was to make it sound like um, it could have been recorded back in the 50s with modern equipment, you know, same kind of instrument, same kind of approach. I did not want a slick, polished Christmas album. You know, I did not want this to sound like a modern Christmas album. I wanted it to sound like the albums I grew up loving. You know, you did that with Tremonti sing Sinatra, you know, with the authenticity of it. You know, we talked about that in that interview that we did. And there's a level of that here, too, as well. You know, the same equal level that, there, you know, there is authenticity. It does sound real. It doesn't sound overproduced. Is that also part of the process, too? You know, looking at the whole scope of everything, not making it sound too... You know, because if you if it sounds too overproduced, it loses its connection. I think with people, yeah, and it's and it doesn't have the ability to be 
overproduced. And that's what I love about it. You have the first day, 17 brass players come into a huge studio and track each song once or twice and they're done with it. Now it's time to go to the synth, you know, the strings. And we brought in 23 stringed instruments. They played one or two times over what the previous uh, um, musicians had done. Uh, the third day we brought in percussion and they played over top of that. The fourth day we brought in me in the choir and we spent, you know, half a day doing vocals. So it wasn't something where you could, you know, hey, let's redo the, the alto sax too. Or, you know, let's take, you know, we, it was all one big take. Uh, or, you know, one big take played on top of one big take, but each, each of these musicians had one or two attempts to be able to get this right. Um, as a group, not as an individual. So that being said, there is no polishing of this, you know, of all the people that get to do any kind of nitpicking would be me because I'm the last vocalist. I sang with the choir, but I was also in an isolated room. So if there was a word I did not, you know, I didn't like as much as the rest, I could re-sing it. But other than that, everything was, played and recorded the way it was initially played one or two times. So there's no um, studio magic. So that's what I like about it. When you think of the players that are on this, you know, in the orchestra and where their background is from mm-hmm. and how they recorded music back in the day, mm-hmm. does that accept the path for you in this journey? Because you you have to consider what, they've done in their body of work and their careers and how they recorded. So when you go and do something like this, obviously there's been advancements in technology. There's ways to do things. Do you keep that in mind in terms of where these guys have been and what their perspective is and how they record? No, you know, I, um, I just know that they're capable of anything in this genre. So if I'm going to do big band jazz, um, in a traditional style, they can tackle anything you throw at them. Um, and, and the funny thing is, is with all the modern technology, if you go into that room and look at how these guys are recording, they've got the old microphones you'd see Elvis singing through. You know, they've got, you know, you know that when you're recording a trumpet, you have to use a microphone that doesn't, that's like a ribbon mic that doesn't have that super high end bright stuff. You don't have to do anything in post because the way you record is the way it's meant to be heard. And that's how they did it back in the day. And that's what worked. Um, so there is, there's no modern touch to it at all, other than having modern, um, you know, pro tools to, to record it with. And to follow up with that, when you go and record, you know, another solo album or another album with Alter Bridge, do you take anything that you've learned from this process in the recording area and how things are set up, how things are, are recorded and produced into those other areas that you do your music in? Um, you know, the only thing that, that will carry on to, to the hard rock thing is, um, you know, I, I picked up a microphone that I absolutely loved for this record. Um, I think it's the best vocal mic I've ever heard. And I, and I, you know, I've done the U 47s and the, all the versions of the U 47s that Frank Sinatra would sing through and did the shootouts with the new versions of those. And, finally came across a uh, Sheffield Labs microphone that they've made very few of that I was lucky enough to uh, borrow from Paul Reed Smith. And that mic I'll be using on every recording going forward. And and on top of that, just being able to approach vocals the way I did on these albums um, really opens new doors for me. With Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. 
Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. Especially the band Tremonti, because I'm doing the main vocal in there. But I used to be afraid of my low voice. I didn't like to hear on the record the way I sounded. People don't like to hear. Back when we had answering machines, I hated to hear my voice on an answering machine. I think everybody just doesn't like the way their voice, it makes, it irks them. So um, now that I've gotten used to using my no, my normal register, I feel more comfortable with it now. I feel, um, you know, more empowered to use it um, the way it should be used. And in that, there's a sense of confidence too, right? You know, you know when you, when you record and, and, you're able to, I hate, I mean, I don't know if this is the right way to say it, but be a little bit more free in your approach to singing because you're not as conscious as you were about your voice years ago. Yeah. Cause when you're doing the, when I'm doing the hard rock thing, I'm thinking, you know, I want to, I want it to sound raspy. I want it to sound raw. I want it to be aggressive. Um, but I, but I never approached it with the, uh, you know, the, the low rich part of my voice that I feel is much more natural. So now I'm going to go forward um, and try to ap- apply that a little more. I haven't gotten to do that yet. Every song I write in the rock world always seems to be pushing, but um, I'll do my best to try to get some, some moments to songs where I can bring it down to where my voice naturally fits. What about performing? I know you did some shows after the Sinatra album. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any plans to do any shows like this around the holidays? 
Yeah, we uh, so we've done about six shows, I believe. Now uh, we have a show scheduled December sixteenth in Orlando. It'll be the biggest show we've ever done with this this band, uh, and we'll have the choir, and we'll have the strings, and we'll have the seventeen piece brass out there, and that will be a mixture of Sinatra tune, selected Sinatra tunes, and then halfway through the show, I'll bring out a couple Christmas trees and say, "All right, it's time for the Christmas part of the set." So. We're doing that at the Dr. Phillips Performing Arts Center. And, you know, I'm really excited about it. That's that's also going to be a night where it's fundraising for the um, the clinic that we just started here in Orlando, the uh, the first uh, lifespan Down syndrome clinic in the southeast. And we're, we opened that up last uh, about a week and a half ago. So all the funds from this show go to um, to that that clinic. And that really was the genesis of this, you know, with the Sinatra album and now this. And now you just mentioned this clinic that you're opening up. When you think about what you've done as a result of these two albums, or really the Sinatra album, now this is the continuation of it. This is obviously something that you're going to keep at and keep doing. And there's so many possibilities with it. How does it make you feel to now see it validated with this clinic that you opened up? It's amazing. You know, a lot of times, you know, we've been going to charity events for years. My wife, she's she's the one that says, all right, we have this charity and that charity. Let's go. Let's um, and we're always trying to be as charitable as we can. But we never had a specific um, driving force for for that uh, that side of us. So when when we had the diagnosis that our daughter was going to be born with Down syndrome immediately, you know, I was like, you know what, this obsession I've been having with Frank Sinatra is perfect for, for this. So let's, and once the money was raised, I think we raised, I know we raised over a million dollars the first year since the record had come out, but to see it put to use a lot of the times, you know, you could raise a million dollars and it kind of just poofs into the air and you don't know what happened to it. You know, it's hard to chase down every dollar, but when you see a, a tangible thing, like a hospital clinic open up and you can go into the foyer and you can see the sign and you can see the patients, you know, we visited, um, uh, a couple weeks ago and you see the patients in there getting treated and you see how much they love the doctors that we've hired on. And uh, that's the thing that those are the things that when you're on your, your deathbed as a little old man, looking back on your life, I'm not going to be thinking about, you know, I did this concert or that concert. I'm going to think about this clinic, you know, and that's, those are the things that I'll be most proud of for sure. Absolutely. And for it to be the first clinic, you know, in that area of the country, has to also mean something too, because there's an obvious need for it. Absolutely. And we're, um, you know, it's, it's crazy. The, the relationships that come out of this and the good that people want to do, they see, they see this clinic open up and then you see other people saying, you know, I've been looking for something like this. I want to donate. You know, we've had um, just two days ago, I had a, um, somebody that, that I know throw in a hundred thousand dollars to this clinic, you know, and it's, that just blows my mind. People are just, cause their, their son has down syndrome and they were looking for something like this to support. Cause we all worry that once our children age out of their, you know, once they become, it's not 18, it's 21, but once you age, hit 21, you can no longer see your pediatrician and you're kind of aged out of your medical treatment. So you have to find new doctors, new clinics. It, um, but this clinic is a, you never have to age out of it. It's a lifelong clinic. You can get used to your doctors. You can, um, and we're going to bring in as many therapists as we can. Cause I feel like that's vital for, for folks with down syndrome, especially at a young age, but it's going to grow and grow. And we're going to try to make as many of these relationships as possible. I spoke with the global uh, down syndrome foundation 
uh, three days ago, and they're a huge, huge um, benefit to the community. They've they've gotten lobbyists to bookmark seven hundred eighty six million dollars towards Down syndrome specific needs, and uh, to have folks like that, you know, want to partner with you on clinics like this just is uh, blows my mind. I did that Sinatra record because I wanted to do it and I wanted to make a difference. I had no idea what it would become. Amazing stuff, Mark. Absolutely amazing. Thank you again for doing this. For all that are listening, the new album is Christmas Classics New and Old by Mark Tremonti. It goes for a great cause. And all the information about the album and that cause will be in the show notes. Uh, It's a tremendous opportunity for you to give around the holidays. So please see that as well. And please uh, consider that. Mark, thanks again for doing this. I appreciate it. Be clear, the Christmas record itself was not a charity record. The shows were all charity. The Sinatra record is all charity, but the Christmas record itself was not just because the cost going into it was so excessive that we didn't want to pull from the money we'd already raised. Sure, sure. But it still, you know, it still offers a a uh, a spotlight on what you're trying to do. So in, in that sense, it still it still is in a way. So and we, you know, three more shows in January. All those shows are going to charity as well. We have one in Beverly Hills and two in Jersey. Awesome. Thanks again, Mark. I appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good day. All right. Everyone, that's Mark Tremonte. Go get the album, Christmas Classics, New and Old. I'm Jay Scott. This has been another episode of The Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Thanks again for tuning in. We do appreciate it. Have a great day. Stay safe. Take care of each other. We'll talk soon. Thank you. How nice it will be. Little dreamers waiting for Christmas. And now under the tree Is a prize just waiting for me In the morning the snow will be falling And no, my lady and me Will make sure our children believe In the glory of Christmas morning. Christmas morning. Christmas morning. Christmas morning. Christmas morning. Sing that last Christmas song. Hold on dearly, the moment is nearing. And know that it won't be long till the light. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett.
Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Points.